Hey everyone, this is uh, Vegan Theology, episode four. This is Kevin. Yay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Hello, and I'm Sarah. Hey. Good to be here with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So we just want to cover some uh, ground, um, kind of continue what we've been talking about. Uh, in episode one, we, we talked about how our creation story in the uh, Judeo-Christian Bible does not include a battle myth or a combat myth that it's very peaceful, it's very nonviolent, as compared to some of the ancient Near Eastern creation myths like Enuma Elish and others. And then episode two, we talked about how animals and humans are made of the same substance. And so you can't say uh, animal doesn't have a soul. You can, but if you do, then that also means humans don't have souls either. And we use the word breath. We talked about nefesh haya. And in a lot of ancient Near Eastern understandings, Breath also means spirit and sometimes soul. So it's probably where we get it, uh, the idea of a soul and spirit Mm -hmm. from that word. At any rate, humans and animals are the same. And the only thing that differentiates humans and animals in terms of substance is that humans are made in the image of God. And so in episode three, we said that the image of God may not necessarily be some kind of spiritual or ethical ability or rational ability that humans possess, but really it's more of a title and a function of royalty Mm -hmm. and that God has given us. He's made us all image bearers, which in the ancient Near Eastern cultures, the only people in other cultures who really had the image of God were kings and or priests, Mm -hmm. clerical people. So the fact that every human is made in the image of God sets us apart and in that sense, God has made all of us viceroys, um, representatives of him on this earth. And so our job, which we're going to try to get into a little bit more today, we're going to pretty much describe five Hebrew words that work in conjunction with the whole concept of the image of God, specifically the words rule and subdue that we see in uh, Genesis 128. We also see, I think we see rule in 126 and then uh, in Genesis 2.15, we have the words where oh, God sets man's job function, so to speak, to, to cultivate and keep the garden. So we'll talk about those words. And then we also want to talk about the word fill, I think, in 128 as well. And then, Sarah, you might, I don't know, you might do a comparison between mm. the word rule in Genesis 128 compared to uh, Genesis 3. 16. Genesis in 3, the curse. Yes, yeah. In the curse, where the word rule is used, but it's a different. It's a different, different word. We translate it as the same, but it's, uh, it's a different verb in the Hebrew. Yeah, it's a different Hebrew word. So that's where we're headed. So. And I noticed that, you know, you know, I'm sure our listeners, some of our listeners may have noticed, Kevin, that you did not use the word dominion as one of the words oh, we're going right. to tackle. That's just because some of our English translations have used the word dominion as their English word for the word rule. The word rule, like the King, King Rada. James. Yeah, yeah, King so, James does that. So the Hebrew word is Rada, and you can faithfully translate that, I think, either way, as, as to rule right. or to have dominion. If you're looking in your NIV concordance, yeah. that's I'm number uh, 8097, Rada. So, um, so yeah, KJV and NRSV and probably a few others use the word dominion, and that's definitely become part of our Christian Tradition, vernacular, and yeah, our our little, yeah, that's it's definitely influenced. It's had a strong. In fact, if I could just go ahead and say, like, there's a a documentary narrated by Joaquin Phoenix that reveals how we're 
treating animals on this planet. Right. And they chose to title that documentary Dominion. Dominion, yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's our understanding, our historical Christian understanding of the word to rule over, to have dominion, has been so corrupted right. um, that we were completely mistreating our fellow creatures. So something that you might want to look at is that right. do- documentary. And I also think I just want to say in terms of, and this is just a little aside, but in terms of fighting over translations and some people mm-hmm. want to say one translation is better than another, maybe, but you can always get to the tools. You can always get a concordance. You can always get a Bible dictionary. You can get to the root word, the root Hebrew word or the Aramaic word or the Greek word. So mm-hmm. you can spend your time fighting about translations or you can just get the tools. Get so, under the hood a little yeah, bit. Yeah, get under the hood a little bit. There yeah. you go. Yeah, and of course we don't have the autographs, but we we, ha- we use the best we have. We don't have the original so. autographs, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Okay, so let's read from the text, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we'll go ahead and start in verse 26, just to back up a couple of verses. And this is, um, again, kind of focusing on, this is just to tie into the context that we are still talking about humans being made in the image of God. What translation are you using? And I'm reading from the NIV okay. currently. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish. So there's that word, radah, rule, over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Nice. So in that verse, chapter 1, verse 28, we hear the words fill, subdue, and rule. So fill and subdue the earth and rule over the creatures, the, right. the non-human creatures. And if you and if you wanted to follow along, if you uh, the, the NIVEC number for subdue is thirty-eight ninety-nine, the NIVEC number for rule is eighty ninety-seven, the NIVEC number for fill is forty-eight forty-eight. We will also get into basically the words take care of and. Yeah, let me um, just read that. Now. Okay. It's just one verse. So right. uh, the second creation story is in Genesis two, um, and in if you. Focus in on verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, and the NIV translates it, work it and take care of it. Right. Um, other translations will say cultivate it and care for it. Um, but yeah. yeah. And so the, uh, the, the NIVIC number for work is 6268, and the NIVIC number for kind of take care of or some of the words, they're different words, but that are rendered uh, somewhere to guard. Anyway, to take care of it's uh, the NIVIC number is ninety sixty eight. Lots of words. <laughs> okay, so we're going to uh, just kind of pull some meaning out of these dictionaries, and uh, for the word subdue in NIDOT, which is the New International Dictionary of Old Testament Theology and Exegesis, edited by Willem Van Gameren, for subdue it kind of says it points it to rule, points to rule. But I will say, uh, Sandra Richter, she is an Old Testament scholar. And I do appreciate her contributions. She, for the word subdue, she translates it as take possession of, which I think is going to be a good word in our context of being image bearers. But for rule, pulling out of NIDOT, Genesis 1, 26, 28, it occurs with a positive meaning when it is stated 
that humanity, created in God's own image, should subdue the earth and rule over it, rule over all the animals. Humankind is given the responsibility for God's creation, as is evident from the fact that his command to them is part of his blessing. And so we're going to get into that um, a little bit, but I think we just want to read these words, mm-hmm. pull some meaning out of these dictionaries, or we can talk about yeah. it now. What do you, what do you yeah. want to do? Well, I mean, what stuck out to me is, yeah, be responsible for, and, and what did you say Richter says? Is like, she says for, for the word subdue, take possession of. Take possess- Almost like, okay, this is your domain now. Right. You're responsible for this domain now. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we could get into that. Um, you know, I, I want to, I kind of want to get the whole context of all the words, but essentially, I was thinking about that too in terms of taking possession. If you own something, you wouldn't treat it poorly, mm. right? If it's your yeah. possession, maybe it's your, your property, if you want to think about it that way, it's your responsibility. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's God's possession, and God has given exactly. you responsibility over it. So, and that gets into another idea, which we'll get to in a moment regarding. God's suzerainty, potential suzerainty treaty with us and with Adam. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think the fact that it says, you know, this, this word rule is a very positive word. It's kind of like, it's, it has a sense of like, get it, get excited, get enthusiastic about being creative. Right. And like be, get creative to create good things. Right. It's like this freedom to be like, okay, God has revealed God's character. God has revealed how God cares for creation. Um, and now He's pa- God's passing the baton to us. Right, and, and, so and I think that gets into some of what we're going to talk about in, in future episodes, is this concept. Um, John, John Walton in his Genesis commentary speaks about form and function and how we as image bearers have certain jobs and functions to fulfill God's creative purposes, meaning that... We are co-creators. God has created this universe, and now he has handed over the baton to us to continue to build civilization, um, spread the Garden of Eden, which, by the way, in many, there's a whole, we'll, we'll get into this too down the road, but many biblical scholars are starting to see Eden as, as a sanctuary, as a temple. And so our job as image bearers is actually to spread Eden across the planet would now be a good time to contrast it with the rule in the curse, or you want to just stay with the chapter one first? If you want to, sure. <laughs> Go for it. Because, yeah, uh, like we said, it's the, the English is using the word rule in both situations for the way God um, blesses humans in, before the fall and says it's your responsibility compared to after the fall in chapter 3, verse 16, as um, God is explaining the curse that is now going to take over. And so, 3.16, um, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And that is not the word radah. Um, it's the word mashal. And this has a much more negative meaning. It says negatively, it refers to the abuse of power and control by a human being. And so this word has a much more negative feeling to it, that it's subs- you have to subsume someone else to your will. It's kind of like, it, make, it just reminds me of like the peace that a government sometimes brings is like, 
of a piece of force. It's a piece of subjugation. It's a piece mm. of squashing resistance and squashing freedoms. That that's kind of like the rule that's in the curse that's described in the curse. Right. And, and it's a different, a very different sense of a word when God blesses and says, "You get to rule my creation, and you get to be creative and and rule the way." Like we've already said, you get to represent me on this planet. Right, and, he, and God has already modeled how he wants his creation to be managed, and we're to do it the way he has already showed us, with abundance, without competition, without violence, in a very peaceful, loving way. And so an, another word that uh, is in that Genesis one twenty eight is the word fill, and it says, you know, that we are to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And that includes the fish and the animals and, and us, basically. And, and the idea is that we're spreading the Garden of Eden, really, across the planet. And so, interestingly, the word fill has several meanings, but a couple of them that are interesting to me. One is to be full. One is to complete, finish, fulfill, perform, carry out. And when you think about that, especially in the context of kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Again, Sandra Richter talks about this idea of a suzerainty treaty. And the whole concept of a suzerainty treaty is that there's a suzerain, a master, that would be God, and there's a vassal or a servant that would be humankind made in the image of God. And there's this sense of um, obligation, and there's also this land grant. So God has given Eden over to us, and we are to be caretakers, and we have in some ways an obligation to him. And so that idea of completing or fulfilling the task, especially as we'll get into in future episodes, this concept of form and function, and the, also the idea of something I alluded to last episode was the idea of chaos and cosmos, and our jobs are to actually bring order and not chaos. Our jobs are to bring cosmos or order to the earth. And so with that in mind, if you think about how the treatment of animals goes today, you know, the slaughtering of animals, that's a very chaotic situation. The fact that we're killing them, and the, it's obvious they don't want to be killed, um, that they're fighting for their lives, that they're in fear, that is not spreading order. That is not spreading cosmos. That is spreading chaos. And so these are just ideas that we're going to be getting to in the future episodes. Yeah, and then what are the words uh, in Genesis 2.15, um, to take care God put us here to take, or God put man in the garden to take care of it. That's shamar. Uh, that's translated as to revere and to be careful. One, and it says uh, in the dictionary, one of Adam's first responsibilities was to be responsible, shamar, for the garden in which his creator had placed him. So again, responsibility. Right. Yeah, and that's very interesting, that word. Uh, Sandra Richter also translates that word you just said as to guard yeah, so the other word um, that we see is to till the land or to to work the land or cultivate. to cultivate is some translations. It's actually the Hebrew word work. And what's interesting, again, about this word in this dictionary, some ideas are work, perform, serve, worship. Another part of the entry for the word work in this dictionary says, Genesis 2.5 indicates clearly that one of the purposes for the creation of Adam, humankind, was to till the ground before the fall. So it was always God's design that humans would work the ground the Lord God had created in Eden 
an inherent religious act when done to fulfill the creator's purposes. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, like with all of these words, what keeps coming up are words like revere, take care of, guard, be responsible for. Worship, yeah. serve. Serve, yeah. Unfortunately, I think, I don't think I'm alone when I say that is not the way we typically hear this passage preached or right. taught. It's more like in our vernacular or when we talk about how we treat creation and everybody's first reaction is, oh, God gave us dominion. We, right. can, we can do whatever we want. Right. And that's just not there in the text. Um, I feel like, once again, I think we've been so polluted by Greek thought that um, the world doesn't matter, the material doesn't matter, we're right. going to escape here. Um, God's going to clean it up. Which is, yeah, it's, it's um, the idea even of escape this present reality is a very Greek thing. It's not a Hebrew idea at all. So again, I, th I think if you just look at the text and, and read the text and give it its due, I think it's a very different sense right. than the way we have typically understood it. And um, lots of times when people um, defend eating animals, for example, or you know, animal agriculture, they refer to this verse that we've been referring to, um, Genesis 1.28, subdue it, rule over it, have dominion over it. Well, the very next verse, the very next verse in the in the Bible is Genesis 1:29 where God says, "Oh, and by the way, I give you all seed-bearing plants on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food." Genesis 1:30, next verse, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So to defend eating animals, to defend animal agriculture with the, this verse about dominion and rule over and, um, subdue. and subdue, to defend yeah, what we're doing on this planet with animals with Genesis one twenty eight, and then completely ignore Genesis one twenty nine and Genesis one thirty that says, "Oh, by the way, what I've given you for food is the plants." Right. So, so clearly, this the the kind of dominion that God has in mind, or the kind of rule that God has in mind, does not include, you know, raising, breeding, creating these animals for us to slaughter them, to commodify them, and yeah, yeah, kill them and eat them. So that was not his intention, and um, I think. As we'll continue on, we'll we'll see how animals are in some ways friends, companions. Yeah. So. And I guess yeah, what what I was thinking about this episode, I was just thinking about the, kind of the metaphor. You know, when you leave your kids with a babysitter or with your parents or with a nanny, you're not saying, "Oh, you, you know, babysitter, I hired you, and and you you are the all I care about, and you can do whatever you want with my kids. Do whatever you want. I don't care." Right. Or if you hire a security guard to guard your earthly treasures. You're not saying, oh, security guard, you're all I care about. Do whatever you want to my earthly treasures. You can you can destroy them. You can ruin them, whatever. Sell them. Yeah. Or if you hire a financial advisor to help you with your, your wealth, it's not your financial advisor that is all you care about. <laughs> right. And you're not saying to them, oh, and by the way, my wealth I don't care about. Do whatever you want to it. So in the same way, God makes us responsible. God hands the baton to us and says, here, you take care of my, cre my very good creation. And somehow we've twisted it to be, oh, all God cares about is us. 
Right. And we can do whatever the yeah, heck we're the, we we're want. We're the pinnacle of creation. Yeah. We right. can do whatever we want with impunity to the to all of God's good creation. That's how we've really lived and understood it. And that's how it's been taught in the church. I grew up and it was explicitly taught to me. People who care about the ozone layer and the whales and the rainforest, those are not followers of Christ because all we care about is is other people and other people's souls. Yeah, saving souls. Yeah. yeah. Again, if you look at the text and you really give it its due, God is saying, here's my good, my very good creation, and I'm letting you be responsible for it. Represent me. Right. And as we'll get to in further episodes, at the end of the day, in the eternal state, we are going to be on the new creation in real bodies, material bodies. So just something to think about. If we know what the goal is going to be, then maybe we should start being caretakers now of the creation we currently have in practice or in preparation for the new creation and start doing it the way we were supposed to be doing it to begin with. Food for thought. Thanks for uh, bearing with us with all the uh, the words, uh, five or six Hebrew words there. And uh, we will continue on next week. Yeah. All right. Take care. More See to you. come. Bye-bye.